I think this is something I need to pursue. I never like grew up selling anything crazy, like, you know, like the Gary V type thing. Like I can sell everything and everything. <laughs> my, my strong suit is not sales. I guess my strong suit is like creating visions and opportunities for people to kind of gather around. Welcome to the Digital Technopreneur Podcast, a place where entrepreneurs find their starts into building a business in a digital and technologically driven world. I have spent the past decade building a management consulting firm and learning from some of the most brilliant individuals around the world. This podcast will guide you through the early stages of your entrepreneurial journey from the lens of each entrepreneur guest we have on the show. My name is Patrick Olawa, and I am joined with my co-host, Andy Yo, and welcome to the Digital Technopreneur Podcast. Johnson, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, Anderson, thank you, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me up. Very excited to chat with you guys. So again, you can see from me, I have great weather down here in San Diego, so all is good on my end. Oh man, well, try the coffee. I mean, you know, one thing for us, you know, we're all coffee drinkers on this show. We usually have our mugs. So if you can see them on site, but such a special thing that is coffee. But you know what? Uh, there's a lot of, you know, right now people are going to Starbucks, they're going to Pete's. They're doing all these different type of coffee things, but they're all kind of fusing together. So what about coffee to your interest? Well, it's like one thing traveling overseas, I found coffee and tea was always one thing that brought people together. Uh, so again, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed kid going over there uh, to Israel, Iraq, Afghanistan, you name it. And just kind of chatting with people and you realize everyone kind of sits down, has chai tea or coffee before any meeting or get together. It just kind of levels the playing field and allows you to kind of connect with people. I feel like here in the U.S., we're very much like, hey, I'm going to go to Starbucks, go to the drive-thru, get my caffeine fix and start my day. There's little to no community building around the coffee aspect anymore. And that's something I really enjoyed of my time overseas and seeing how it really brought people together. And so kind of coming here, you know, born and raised here in San Diego, seeing how the craft beer scene was really doing a lot of the same thing. You know, people sitting down at a brewery, sharing a beer together and just kind of laughing, having a good time. Uh, and so because, again, if you go to a, a coffee shop, you know, people have their headphones on like they're like, please don't, don't even look at me. Like I'm going to take up five spaces around me just have my, my and I, I necessarily on it. And so seeing how the breweries do it, we kind of took that model and started adopting it towards coffee. So, you know, we are basically modeled after a brewery. We just do cold brew coffee instead of beer. Nice. That's awesome. So, so, so thank kind you of for your... Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> Sorry about that, Andy. It's, it's just really, really cool, really cool understanding that, that, uh, that fusion uh, between how people look at coffee. Because naturally, when we think of, you know, going to a coffee shop, like you just mentioned, um, Eric... That idea where people just stay out there and they stay in isolated silos on their own, and you're taking that brewery side and you're bringing in that active lifestyle, com- combining the two of them together a little bit. So that I think I think that's really really interesting to look at that. But what is Trident Coffee like? Really, what is Trident Coffee like? What's the story of Trident Coffee? Yeah, I think it's it's in the pursuit of trying to connect people and ideas because, again, at that point when you're able to sit down and have a conversation with somebody that you may not think and feel you have something in connection with them to right away, you kind of realize at the end of the day we all are humans. We all have basic kind of wants and needs that are very similar. We may just go about it in a different approach. 
And so coming from a, a point of trying to understand one another and see like, hey, where do we have similarities? Not where we're different. Like We already know that we're different. Where can we find the similarities at? And so that was the one thing I found very uh, important to create these relationships overseas is like, hey, I understand that we're different. That's fine. Where do we have common ground? And I think once you establish that common ground, the connections just start to form naturally because at the end of the day, you realize, hey, you know, we're not so different. You know, maybe you just think about the problems that differently because you grew up differently. You had a different world experience. And so if we can come together, we can solve any problem. And I think that's the, the very interesting part about this is that unfortunately now the current climate across the entire world is that we focus too much on what, what our differences are, not what, what our similarities are. And so that's what I really would like coffee to be for me and just kind of connect people. So uh, we just do it in a different, unique way. Uh, we are mostly focused on health and wellness, too, because if people are able to, you know, be healthier, think clearer, have better fuel, um, they're able to achieve and accomplish more, too. So we really focus on health and wellness as a majority of what our products do. But it's on a theme of all connected. How can we connect people? How can we connect ideas? How can we come together? So, Eric, you're your you're naval officer. You know, when did when did coffee really become a passion for you? Was it an out for you? You know, while you're you're on tour, when did it, what did it, was it originally for you? You're overseas. Yeah, I think like growing up too. Like uh, I loved working out, and I would always do all the crazy pre workouts. And you know, so far as the health and wellness side, I was like, all right, I can't keep doing all these powders and this. I need to find more of a natural product. And so it kind of tied in. Like overseas, we just work out a lot. I mean, there's I mean, there's a lot of time. Like guys just love working out. And so it was like this nice hybrid of where I started to see when I was in Israel. Uh, my counterpart was an Israeli Air Force officer for 26 years. He would always grab me like every morning and we would take me over to the Israeli side of the base where we were staying and we would sit down and have Turkish style coffee like every morning and kind of, you know, uh, talk, talk, like get to know each other for like 20 minutes. And then once the coffee was done, then we could actually go in and into the business side. Like, hey, how can I help you? How can I support you? What do you guys need from me today? And so that was kind of a nice like intro for me because, again, I normally just would do black coffee. I was just in it for the caffeine. And then I started to see like, hey, cool, I can use it for my workouts, but I can also use it to connect with people too. So I think it was really my first deployment over to Israel where I started seeing the power of how we could use this ad to create connections with people. And then it just kind of reiterated itself time and time again through multiple other deployments and then just my time in the military and then my focus on health and wellness. So what it become a, from a passion project to an actual fortune of business? What was that, you know, what was that? Step for you? I, I think it was the one of the summers I got back from uh, Iraq and I was like at my house as I always liked cold coffee. I never was a huge hot coffee guy. And so I would start it to cold brew in, in my kitchen. I was like, okay, this is nice. It's smoother. It's easier to drink. Um, it's a better pre workout than I've than I found. It's got a little mm. more caffeine. And so I, I figured like that was time and I started researching. You know, I, I was planning on getting out of the Navy. And so I needed to figure out what I was going to do in terms of, am I going to go work for somebody? Am I going to go to school? Am I going to you know, be an entrepreneur? You know, there were so many things up in the air. And then I just had this kind of um, this gut feeling that I just needed to do entrepreneurship. I needed to be my own boss uh, and went through the process of like, all right, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so I ended up, you know, as I was cold brewing my house, I was like, hey, is there anyone else really doing this? And I, you know, the more research I found, I was like, yeah, there's a couple. It was, you know, this was like 2015. 
and it hadn't really taken off yet. And so I was like, okay, this, I think this could, this could be something I could work on. And, you know, I had about a year before I got out of the, the Navy to start planning stuff. And then I did one more deployment to Iraq and came back. And that's kind of where it, it started to take off. It was like the summer of 16. I was like, okay, hey, now it's like, this is, you know, a passion project for this. I'm going to there and go for it. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me, let me go backwards a little bit here. If I could, um, you, you've jumped, you've gone into this, this path of entrepreneurship. Now, before this, were you always an entrepreneur? Did you always have that in the mind, in the back of your mind as an entrepreneur? Or is it something that you just kind of built as you were, you know, transitioning from the military side to, to a civilian side? I think the biggest thing is like after a while in the military, I think people kind of go like one or two ways. Either they're like so fed up of being told what to do every step of their life. And then some mm -hmm. just like stay kind of very regimented and like they enjoy that. Um, I kind of went the opposite direction. I was like, I, I need to make decisions for myself. Uh, I always thought differently than most of the people in the military. I was always kind of like a, a strange person. Um, and I was always, you know, very driven. And so there was one thing that's like, okay, I think this is, something I need to pursue. I never like grew up selling anything crazy. Like, you know, like the Gary V type thing. Like I can sell everything and everything. My, my strong suit is not sales. I guess my strong suit is like creating visions and opportunities for people to kind of gather around. And so like, I'm a big strategic, strategic thinker. And so that's where my strengths lie. And then, so that's kind of where I was like, okay, well I can think about this. I'm sure I can make it happen. There'll be some steps along the way that I'll probably definitely will mess up, but this is definitely worth pursuing. So that's kind of where the entrepreneurship side for me was just taking my fate into my own hands. Okay. So this is, this is fun. Now, see, you just touched on something that a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they experience because some people are great with the sales side and some people are great on the strategic side. How did you, how did you find your way through that? Did you get a partner? Did you um, start building a team right away? How did you build the company from the early days? I mean, it was hard because there's, you know, there's no blueprint. Every, every business you start everything, there's, there's no truly right or wrong way to do it. I think you, you take with what you got and you, and you go. I mean, some people might have a little more experience. Some people may be multiple time founders, but for like first time founders, there's no blueprint. I mean, you can ask mentors, you can research, you can listen to podcasts and do everything, but your niche, your job, everything that you're starting has its own set of parameters, its own set of certain circumstances that you can't just kind of take and apply. And like, there's no like A plus B equals C. Mm -hmm. um, there's just your own path you create. So I think just kind of starting that up, um, I just kind of went with my gut. And, you know, there's been plenty of things I've messed up along the way. But I think that just was one of the things I had to do. So bringing people into the team, we started a little bit slow. Um, my brother is one of the co-founders who spent 17 years in the restaurant industry. So okay. he had a great palate to bring to the table. So as we're nice. developing these, these pro flavor profiles, as we're developing these products, um, you know, so he's now like our kind of our chief of product that is responsible for making sure that we're bringing something of value to the table with our products, make sure they're, they're tasting good, they're nutritious, they have all the things that we're trying to achieve. And then it just took me a little bit of a while to definitely to bring on more members because as we, we grew, we kind of bootstrapped it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's like, all right, you know, you can't really pay top dollar for, you know, director of sales right away. Right. So you kind of make things work until, um, until you reach that kind of the tipping point. And luckily, very fortunately, I found one of my business school, uh, uh, friends who's now one of, uh, in, uh our investors in kind of co-work. He's our 
director of uh, business development. And he is phenomenal creating relationships and talking with people and sharing our story, adding value to them. And that in turn, you know, helps with the sales portion of it. So it's definitely finding the right people, especially where you're weak and filling the gaps. No, that's really, you said you started and then you started with a story. So what approach just, um, hey, you just start, you know, stores first, deli stores, you go on a restaurant. Yeah, Your story is kind of everywhere, <laughs> everywhere we could go. Like, yeah, we started um, primarily doing canned cold brew and we would, you know, make them all in house. We do everything. We roast our own coffee. We brew our own coffee. We package it all. Um, so it's very much a craft business. And so we would start going, you know, door to door um, to uh, grocery stores, to restaurants, to whoever, just to start the sales pitch to get the momentum needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, as you're a young entrepreneur, you just don't really know what what the best path is. So you just stay hungry and you just stay grinding and just kind of make it work. And so, yeah, that was like when we first started, like we just started knocking on every single door that would entertain us and just to kind of get the, the ball rolling. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people underestimate the strength that comes in with, you know, the true entrepreneurship, just going out there on the pavement and putting yourself out there and see what happens next. A lot of times right now we're so caught up with the quickness of the internet and, you know, and we forget that before the internet, a lot of successful businesses were built before that approach. And we forget that those old ways still work. If you had to look at it, if you had to look back, what advice would you say for, for newer entrepreneurs coming in? Kind of looking at the what all the tools that's available today, what, what, what's some advice in that startup stage would you would you throw out? Well, I, I think I was kind of seen it like, um, you know, truly trying to find a way to make a connection with somebody, especially if you're trying to look for a decision maker. You yeah. know, you can see things on like LinkedIn all the time. I get linked, I, you know, I get hit up and like, hey, this and they kind of jump right into the sales pitch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, for most people, they get bombarded. You got email, you got LinkedIn, you got this, you got that, you got so many things and they're just over, overdone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people get tired and get decision fatigue and you name it. But if you can go a little old school, you know, if you need to find the decision maker to, you know, sell your product or whatnot, generally try to go in and add value first. Um, and it's that reciprocity piece. So like we would always go in and just to a grocery store and, you know, buy some groceries, buy some stuff and check our look around and see hey, you know, where could our product potentially add value to the store? And Mm -hmm. it's like that nice little reciprocity. So if the buyer sees you buying something from their store um, and you can go back and then kind of create that relationship. Like, hey, yeah, I shop here all the time. Things look really good. I always go for the health and wellness portion or I noticed you guys maybe not have have this product that things I think we could do something and add some value to your customer base. And so it's just like those small things there instead of like going in and like pitching right away and like, oh, we have the best coffee. You need to add us and everyone in the store is going to buy it. Um, It's just, I mean, they get hit up so much so often. So I think it's just taking a step back, figuring out, hey, at the end of the day, you as a business is trying, you're trying to add value to other people's lives, your product, your service, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, you're trying to make their lives easier and add value. Um, And so at that point, you have to figure out how the best way to communicate that and uh, sometimes it's not just going in hard and trying to do all the sales all the time straight from the bat. So I think it's just, you know, trying to develop a little bit of that relationship with everybody as best as you can and bring them value. Oh, what's something you thought you needed in the beginning 
have tried it that out to be something you really didn't need to put resources or money into? Um, you know, so my biggest fault for sure is with the, my strategic brain as I see where Trident is in 20 years and I try to get there. I try to rush certain things that weren't necessary. So, you know, we bought some really nice equipment off the bat and because I wanted to do everything myself. I wanted to, you know, roast everything. I wanted to package everything. So we went pretty heavy on equipment right off the bat where we probably could have um, found some other like cheaper pieces of equipment to, to make things easier. Um, but so that was definitely one thing I wish I would have refocused on is like, you know, the equipment's great, but you still need great people. And so with the resources that we had, we went a little thin, uh, using, you know, getting assets first and, and we didn't really spend too much time on human capital because, you know, I overestimated everything. I was like, okay, we can do this. No problem. So definitely I would have redone with like, Hey, getting the good enough equipment to get the ball rolling, get the momentum you need, but you need good people to help you build the business. And so, I mean, I was wearing, you know, any and every hat possible. I was, you know, janitor, I was brewing, I was roaster, you name it. And I was like, okay, well, I probably could have made things a lot my life a little bit easier if I, you know, found different pieces of equipment, not go heavy too much on the physical, um, you know, plant assets and mostly go more into like the human capital, the human asset piece of it, because you get people to follow and believe in your story. Like they're the best sales sales component out there you know you get true believers into it and yeah. you, you actually can show value and to me that was like all right i definitely probably would have switched up a little bit and had more uh, uh human resources human capital to start the the growth of the business well that's powerful that that's powerful right there no one thing i love about the trident brand is you always talk about um you know um connection flavors kind of uh, talk about how you'd developing that concept and putting towards Trident and how you, you know, you already are kind of making that part of the bonding arrangement with what Trident is. As a yeah. I mean, that's the hard thing, you know, you know, people do not buy based off of facts. You know, you go back to the case study of, uh, you know, the MacBook with Steve jobs and Apple back in the eighties, like he took out an ad in the New York times, like eight pages and explained all the technical benefits of, why the MacBook and why this was uh, such a, or the Mac was such a great product and everybody needed it, but you know, it didn't hit anybody on the emotional or like, they, so they was, it kind of fell flat. Then he went to Pixar. He learned how to storytell. He learned how to listen, create and like elicit emotion out of people. Then he takes that back to Apple, you know, 97 and he has come up with a new campaign at where it's think differently. Two mm -hmm. words. He brings in this emotional piece where he shows Einstein, he shows Muhammad Ali, he shows all these great thinkers and believers and doers. Yeah. And when two words creates an ad campaign that completely revolutionized Apple, created emotional connections with people. Like, I have probably five or six Apple products. Love all of them. <laughs> Do I need them? Probably not. But <laughs> they've created a strong emotional connection with me. It was like, well... I believe in the brand now. Like uh, yeah. you're a brand uh, conduit. You believe in what they do um, and their products. I mean, I'm sure there's better products out there in some regard, but it's just, you, you've kind of got that sunk bias into it. You believe it so much. And so for us creating that same emotional experience with our coffees and, you know, the one thing I've found during kind of my uh, discovery phase is that people will remember their favorite coffee from where they were. Um, and not so much like, Hey, I, I had a, a random cup of coffee in a diner in Kansas during my drive across the country. It's normally like, 
where you were and the people you were with that created a really strong emotional bond. So when you talk to people like, oh yeah, like my my favorite coffee is Hawaiian coffee. And you kind of ask like, hey, well, why is that? It's like, well, I was, you know, on the beach in my honeymoon and me and my wife were really enjoying this cup of coffee, you know, the sunsets or sunrises. And so they create such a small, strong emotional connection with that beverage because they, you know, the smell of it, the feel of it, the taste of it takes you right back to that, um, that moment of awe where it's ingrained in your brain. So knowing that coffee comes from all over the world, a lot of people have gotten the opportunity to travel um, and they can share those same experiences. Like, Hey, you know, we have a really great Vietnamese coffee. So for everyone who's like been to Vietnam has walked the streets of like Saigon or Hanoi and they, they go around and like, yeah, I had great Vietnamese coffee when I was there. I had such an awesome experience when I was traveling with, you know, my friends. And, um, and so we wanted to replicate that, those type of emotions by storytelling because us as humans, we do really, really a great job at, you know, passing on information through symbols and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Our, our ancestors, you know, thousands, thousand years ago, wrote stuff on cave walls and they told stories over a campfire. Yeah. And so that's how we pass on information very, very well. And so that's how we kind of came around like, hey, we want to create emotional connections with people to the coffee and we want to do it around symbols and storytelling. And so that's kind of our approach to how we make these connections with people um, because it's very simplistic in terms of our humanity aspect that we, we get those things very easy. And so that's how we really want to go move forward is continue to do that with our storytelling and our symbols. That's awesome. Now, Bryden has had the luxury of going to brick and mortar. Now, what was the decision to go to that situation? And what, you know, what, what was the final uh, check that says, hey, we're going to call in on this? I think it was just trying to create that same experience of like when people would walk into a brewery and you'd see, you know, the smiles on their face, the laughing uh, component of it over that shared beverage. And so with that, I think the brick and mortar, we, we felt it was a, a very strong component of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to stand by. And so to create those emotional connections, you know, people come in, get the full experience of Trident. It's easier to do that advice if they see our, our cans on a shelf in a grocery store there might be, you know, seven or eight other uh, coffees to choose from. It's mm-hmm. very hard to elicit that same response unless they have, uh, you know, the opportunity to come into our brick and mortar and really get this, the, the vibe for what we're about with this, which is like our craft aspect, our health and wellness. So it was, it's part of our strategy to immerse our, our fans and our tribe and our customer base with who we are and what we do. And then once then when they get the opportunity to do that, then if they see us out in the store, like, oh, try to coffee. Cool. I got to have it. I know I love this stuff. I'm going to grab it. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a piece of building the brand in you know, kind of a unique way where we have some digital components to it. We have some brick and mortar components to it. And then we have the wholesale side of it as well to grow our presence and continue building those relationships with our customers. How does that? How does that? Um, the, the the health component. How does that uh, come in? Because I know I know it's a big it's a big part of um, Trident, and, and you guys have you know the the keto side. Like you really walk us through that process of the health and wellness component of Trident. Well, you know, as you kind of walk around, you see if you go into at most coffee shops, a lot of people don't drink black coffee. Um, they will have uh, like a latte or um, frappuccino. And so from my health and wellness standpoint, I look at that and that's 60 to 70 grams of sugar um, per drink. 
um, dairy, um, you name it. So it's like very terrible drink for you. And I wanted to disassociate that. I wanted coffee to be thought of as a health and functional beverage, which, which it is. I mean, black coffee, less than five calories, good amount of caffeine, antioxidants, great for people. And so what we try to do is with our, our product lines is understand, like, get people to like black coffee again. And when you experience it on nitro off tap, it's smooth, it's creamy. It's like, you know, kind of like a, a Guinness beer, if you would, that Ooh. you may not need to add milk cream or sugar to. And so we wanted to people to experience that, which has been phenomenal feedback. Um, but if, you know, coffee is a very individualistic beverage, um, people um, have a, you know, their their wants, their needs, their desires for it. Yeah. And so we like, all right, how can we make this healthier though? So we started doing a lot of MCT oil, which is great for people doing keto. Um, it's really great, healthy fat from coconut. Uh, and so we've added that as like, we made our own like keto creamer. And so that's what we primarily use for a lot of our coffees. But then we started doing, um, almond milk, oat milk, you know, we'd still have whole milk if people want it, but we make our own syrups in house too, where it's made with allulose, which is a, Okay, like a sugar-free sweetener that's only got like 0.4 calories per gram instead of sugar, which has four calories per gram. And it doesn't have that much of a glycemic index load in terms of spiking your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And so we've found these ways to still create the coffee that people are accustomed to. We just do it in, in our own way. And so far, the feedback's been phenomenal. Uh, so like we really retooled our entire approach to health and wellness in terms of looking at coffee very differently. So... Um, you know, we don't have any simple syrups or sugars or anything like that. We've really tried to make coffee healthy, no matter how they're going to consume it from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a healthier beverage and help them live a better life. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's really important right now because a lot of people are going through this health, uh, especially with 2020 happening. A lot of people are like wanting to go on a little bit of a healthier lifestyle. And, you know, just based on some of the conditions, I would be coffee drinker. And I've never tried it on the keto version, to be very honest, besides just drinking straight up black coffee. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's very interesting, in here, you know, kind of going through the, um, the, the the description of how you, you know, what you guys are already doing. And uh, honestly, when you talked about the, uh, the the pouring out the nitro, the first thing that came to my mind was like, I'm going to Dallas and, you know, <laughs> you know, coffee coming right into it. Um, <laughs> But it's, it's it's really cool seeing that that component of the story there, and how how is that important now along the term? Is that is that a vision that you guys want to really hold into the bucket of healthier um, um, lifestyle or actual healthier lifestyle with the coffee brand? Absolutely, I mean that that's it's part of our core. Um, it's about, it's about who we are. So with the, the health and wellness, we're not going to shy away from that. We're probably going to be the, the front runners of a lot of it. And we know that there's an adaptation period for customers to understand it. You know, we still get a lot of questions in here like, hey, why nitro? Why MCT oil? Um, you know, we weren't the first to market on, on this, but there's still a lot for people to learn. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you look at the studies of how, you know, a lot of Americans are, are overweight and becoming obese, it, you know, it comes down to diet and lifestyle choices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when someone has, you know, a, maybe like a Starbucks or two a day, but it's, it's the Frappuccino side, you're looking at, you know, five, six, seven, 800 calories, mostly coming from sugar. It's like, that's an easier lifestyle choice to, to make a change to, you yeah. know, you can still get some, you can still get something sweet. You can still get something creamy. 
but we can basically take that down from 800 calories down to, you know, maybe 150. Uh, and so just making these small changes is, and I feel bad is like, sometimes people think it's this huge sacrifice they have to give up to live uh, healthier and better. Um, but it's just small, small changes day in, day out, being consistent, um, provides people with healthier and better lives. And, you know, with the studies coming out from, you know, this uh, COVID pandemic, because a lot of people that struggled with it uh, in terms of hospitalizations were overweight and it had pre-existing conditions and health related issues. And so I think that's going to force people to really look on like, Hey, what are we doing to ourselves from a health nutrition life like standpoint? And I, you know, we've already seen a, a big change in how people approach uh, the foods that they eat and the lifestyle choices they make in terms of like, Hey, if I can just go for a 30 minute walk every day, that's better than sitting behind my computer for seven, eight hours, you know, like small things. And that's what we want to try to reiterate to people is that these small changes done over time will have big impacts. Any, any potential marketing campaign, you know, towards the future or even actively right now that, um, that focuses just specific on education or do you guys need anything built right now within the process that educates the consumers on just the overall health and wellness I think that's the tough thing as we talk about this digital side, like we, we focus more on our brick and mortar for the first couple of years of our business, mm-hmm. but you know, seeing how the internet has, has changed everything, especially over this past year, we are really trying to uh, pivot ourselves into being content creators and that can be done through, you know, IGTV, YouTube, things of that nature. So you will definitely be seeing more from us coming out here in the future in terms of the education piece of it. Um, explaining the health benefits, walking people through um, quick videos, uh, things of that nature to educate the customer base on why these things are important. And, you know, then posting information from other, you know, other podcasts, other blog reports, things like that. But I think we're going to be more digital content focused, not just written uh, blog posts, Mm -hmm. but we're going to be doing a lot more video based informational sessions here soon. And that's just going to help reinforce our, our position as one of the front runners for health and wellness and uh, functional coffee brands. Uh, just basically just a question about some entrepreneurs and tech entrepreneurs that are out there. You have a brick and mortar. I mean, do you just mostly at the brick and mortar or at home? Are you working from there? Are you working on a, like an offset course that allows you to do your business there? Like how do you construct your team day to day and keep everybody kind of on that same plane of, Go forward. It, it's very challenging. I mean, we've grown. And so like every time we've grown, we've kind of pushed our footprint out a little bit. So like, you know, where we were in our store in the first place, you know, we had a small little office area and then we had to give that up for more packaging. So we've rented some space next door and we've, you know, put offices there. And so it's very difficult. I think with the brick and mortar, I'm, I think we're now getting very comfortable with like um, remote work, teleworking, mm-hmm. things of that nature. You know, we're bringing on digital platforms like Asana, um, all that stuff to try to create as clean of a transition to allowing people to be more flexible work from home with certain regards. But then we do have the production component of actually roasting the coffee, packaging the coffee that is still done from a, a physical plant standpoint where there everyone's, we've got our team production team coming in on a daily basis, um, working the roaster, working the candy line, working the brewing vessels. And so it's a nice hybrid for us right now. Um, and I think it's definitely forced me to think kind of outside the box in terms of how do we manage the team and collaborate when we're so spread out. And so it's, it's a very unique case study for me that I'm going through right now 
and properly looking how to manage the team and still get the job done and still grow, but just to, uh, communicate effectively across in person, you know, email, text, Asana, whatever it ends up being. And yeah. so I'm, I'm, we're learning that and we're adapting to it as we speak. For you, EJ and Patrick, I think this is one of my uh, my new uh, my new special sauce questions. EJ, as far as our team out there, what is a tool you have utilized since the onset? Tried it that you maybe have never used before that has been interminable business software, even if it's hardware that uh, you know that's really helped your business grow. Um, I, I think it's actually just a, a personal trait skill. Um, Unfortunately, with some of uh, my past transition on the military, um, had some like PTSD issues that had to work through and, you know, you kind of shut yourself off and you just stay inside your brain a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. And the, the game changer for me has just been being very transparent and really over communicate with your team members. It's mm -hmm. kind of a, you feel like, oh, yeah, communication is such an easy thing, but I would guarantee most people would say nine times out of 10 out of their problems end up being from a lack of communication or a misunderstanding. Um, you know, the, te the technical stuff, all that stuff. I mean, it's not that hard to overcome, but communicating with your team, communicating effectively constantly has been the biggest secret sauce that I've found um, over the past several months that has really positioned our business to be growing and being successful. And it's something that you would just kind of overthink, like, oh, yeah, it's like, it's whatever. You don't even think about it. But that, to me, has been the game changer. So, adding, but like around the communication piece, you're adding software. In. So, like, Asana is a tool that we're starting to use now for collaborating across team members. So, you can share information. You can share documents. You can put timelines on stuff. You can put expectations, goals. And so, that's part of that clear, consistent uh, communication that's right. needed with your team, for sure. And then there's some hardware stuff where, you know, getting our our all of our paperwork in order, all of our processes, all our SOPs. Um, and that way, all your duties and responsibilities are clearly spelled out for everybody. So they're not guessing, they're not thinking, they're not concerned, or they're not, you know, get to a sticking point. Like, all right, well, is this my job? Is it not my job? And so the overall theme is just communication. Oh, nice. Touch on something you did mention, and it, uh, we appreciate your service again. Absolutely. Everything done. Uh, but as as a as if you own business person yourself, what is uh, what are things that you think other veteran owned look for just a checkpoint when they start in, in this world of entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. I, I think the biggest thing is like uh, sometimes we fall back too heavily on saying, "Hey, we are vets," and uh, we get comfortable with that being our identity. But your time in the military is just part of who you are. It's not who you are. It, it, I don't take it to the point like I go around like I'm a vet, I'm this, I'm that. It was part of my life. It has shaped me in many great ways, but I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm also a friend. I'm also um, you know, a, a godfather. I'm, like, I'm so many other things outside of just being a, a veteran. And I just don't want people to think like they have to make that association and that's all they can cling on to. Um, be a good person. Uh, add value to people around you. And that's one of the things where I think just maybe pivoting uh, a little bit in terms of uh, not putting so many labels on or stick, having to stick to a label about who you are because we're so complex as, as human beings. Um, it, I've seen people get stuck where like, I'm a veteran on business. Like people should do it because I'm a vet and like, okay, well not necessarily. 
um, are you adding value? Are you bringing value to people? What other things can you connect upon? Um, and I think that's, that's people are starting to become more comfortable with that is knowing that they don't have to just associate and be stuck to a label and that defines them. Uh, I think people are becoming more comfortable branching out and knowing that uh, they have more value to bring to people uh, and more service to bring. Um, and that's what I think a lot of veterans get stuck on is that we are normally very service oriented. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we served our country, we served our family, we served that. And that is still a great value to continue, continue to bring value, continue to be of service to others. Um, just don't have to have labels define you or uh, keep you in a box. Mm. That's powerful. That's absolutely powerful. That that's. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't even. I, I'm I'm completely out of words on that on that on that one there. But um, I appreciate you know still in the same in the same light. We appreciate your service and really looking at things now as you as you guys are building and growing for for you guys. You guys have gone through you know trials and a lot of learning and growth. What's the what's next right now for you guys? I think we're, you know, we, we've gone through the first couple of years and anyone who's done it, the first couple of years are always super challenging. Um, you, you kind of, you don't know what you don't know. And so for us right now, it was like what I've uh, synthesized things down to is that, Hey, we need to put, we need to systematize everything that we kind of do mm-hmm. and put the proper processes in place. And so, cause again, as we grow and continue to scale, if you don't have the right systems, you don't have the right people, you don't have the right processes in place, it's going to be chaos and you're, it's the, the, the wheels can come off. So over the next several months, uh, as we hit this next period of growth for summer, is making sure we have the right people in place, we have the right processes and the right systems to grow and manage the scaling effectively without having um, you know, something catastrophic happen. Right, right. Here's a here's a fun question for you. Here's a, this one is a pretty fun question. Yeah. Because we're in coffee. What is your favorite coffee? I I have to. I am. I, <laughs> besides besides your coffee, besides Trident coffee, if you had to pick one type of coffee that you feel like you know what this one resonates because of this memory, I guess in that sense, what would be that coffee for you? It's, it's hard to find around here. There's not too many places to do it, but like the Turkish style coffee. Um, if I can get my hands on it for certain places, I have to give it a try. Um, mm-hmm. for, like you said, for me, it's a very emotional, um, piece of my history of what I've done with the military and the, the friends and people I've made connections with yeah. that if I eat Turkish coffee on the menu, I'm like, I got to give it. A try. Uh, and I'm normally not a hot coffee guy, but I'll make that exception, um, to, to give it a go. Uh, and then other than that, like, I always love trying other cold brew. So every, you know, spots, I always just try to have meetings at other, other coffee shops with other people and just connect with them. You know, see whatever and how they're how they're doing their portion of the craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm always a big natural cold brew guy. I'll probably get that everywhere. But if I see Turkish style coffee, I'm I'm gonna get it. Now <laughs> <laughs> so, you have the phrase that pays. I know your question that uh, as we get to all our to kind of tie a bow and everything. Mm-hmm. Take it away. Now, the, the, this is this is just, you know, as we're wrapping this up here, um, again, we appreciate you being here with us. What would be the, the one message for entrepreneurs, just in general? You know, what's the one message that you say, this is something that they should know or should do as they're building their business or growing in the beginning? Um, absolutely have to be, have to love and be passionate about what you're doing. If you 
if you're doing this just for money, I, I think you'll, you'll find uh, it's easy to, to quit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been times where I've, you know, been so frustrated, so upset, um, you know, thought it was all over, uh, you know, and that's almost, I'd say almost daily. I think most entrepreneurs <laughs> will say that the roller coaster is intense, yeah. very intense. If you love what you do and you're passionate about it, um, you can endure almost any setback. Uh, and so with that, I mean, and don't feel you're alone, even though your situation might be unique, the experiences of entrepreneurship is very universal in terms of very high highs, very low lows. You're up on the top of the world one day and you're down in the dump the next day. And that's okay. It's part of the journey. Try your best to enjoy it. Um, because again, this is taking up potentially a large portion of your, your life, several years, if that you're not enjoying it, you're not truly being passionate about it, it might be time to look at something differently because you should, at the end of the day, love what you do, love the value you bring to people and know there's some rough times though. Nice. Nice. Well said. Well said. And then that's, that's, you know, as we, that would be a, such a great point to sort of um, wrap the, the call uh, today. But what I wanted to really kind of go back and highlight would be, you know, some of the messages, some of the information that you'd actually uh, shared, because I think this, this was, this was such a great um, uh, conversation that we've had today, Eric, just kind of looking at things from a lot of different perspective. And, and I think even uh, it, we, we actually had, the, um, you know, on our Facebook uh, page, someone actually made a comment to that effect, you know, saying the power of reciprocity um, and and that value that you you give the value, you know, that to gain the value back or look for somewhere to earn that value backwards again. And so that's that's a big one, making connection and adding value. Um, the focus on human capital as a as a as a way of a great asset to build your business as well. So you need to find good people to build your business. I like that line right there. Um, looking at the emotional connection to your product. I myself, um, you know, I, I, I tend to be guilty of not doing this, you know, quite often. And I think a lot of times, you know, as entrepreneurs and be it you have a service or you have a product, I think it's a, it's a very important component because if I had to look back at some of the moments where, you know, our business had some spikes, it was when we were focused on that emotional connection with the brand and with the business and with the customers and, and what we're doing. And I think that was that was really great to kind of get that reminder of myself as well. And um, I need to get good at storytelling. I truly mm-hmm. need to get good at storytelling, um, you know, when it comes down to that, uh, to that effect and over communicate with your team. But really, at the end of the day, just putting everything together, um, you went to my heart and you spoke about systems. I am a very, very big system-driven person. Uh, and and being that you you look at systemizing things and putting things in the right, putting the right processes in place, um, it's a very, very understated um, message. And I think every entrepreneur needs to understand that regardless of what business, what field, what service, what product, um, really tying that in is a, it's a huge component, but we really appreciate you kind of putting all this together because this is, this is such a great notes for myself. I, I love taking notes when I go into, when we have these calls and I, I we, we appreciate you on this one, Eric. We appreciate you on this one. Well, I said, actually, it's absolutely great. I love chatting with people. It's so much fun. Um, cause again, you get to connect with somebody share a little bit of your story, you, you bounce ideas back and forth. And that's kind of like what's nice about this exchange of ideas and connecting mm-hmm. over ideas is because it is powerful. I mean, you can change people's lives by connecting with them and 
communicating with them about new ideas, um, new ways about thinking about life. Because sometimes we get stuck in our own head, we get stuck in our own bubble, we get stuck in our own world. Um, and we lose sight of like our humanity pieces. Like, hey, we're very social creatures. Mm -hmm. We love connecting with people. And so that's what's always fun. So I'm honored that you had me on today. I really appreciate it. Podcast, we thank you again. Um, myself, Patrick, and Coffee, please support them for experiences the show and take care. You guys have a good day. Thanks, guys.